Welcome back to the Dynasty Locker Room Podcast, Episode 3. I'm your host, Nation, and with me this week, I have Tess Monster and a brand new guest here in Jason, who's been uh, joining us here at the Dynasty Locker Room. Jason, why don't you let everyone know a little bit about you and what you're focusing on here? Thank you, Nation. It's, it's an honor to be part of this illustrious group here at Dynasty Locker Room. Um, I will be focusing mostly on football, but also doing some baseball. But uh, like I said, definitely focusing a little bit more on the football side of things, which is what brings me here today. We're definitely excited to have you. And I know Test Monster Illustrious isn't something you've ever been uh, grouped into with. What do you think about that? Yeah, any anytime an organization is considered illustrious and I'm a member, I feel like I've greatly outkicked my coverage. Uh, but those are some high praise, and I, I hope the uh, Dynasty locker room holds up to your expectations as we move along. Uh, Jason and I have been working pretty hard on updating our weekly Dynasty fantasy football rankings throughout the season, but you know, we've spent a lot of time on the podcast already talking about baseball, but football season's still going on, boys. Uh, Super Bowl's coming up this weekend. Who do you like? What are your picks? What are you watching for? You know, being a, a Lions fan, I can't help but uh, cheering for Stafford. Really happy that uh, he got to show off kind of his talent to uh, the NFL community. I always seen him as a, a really underrated quarterback. It seemed like every year he was always ranked in that that bottom of tier two or top of tier three. And then as soon as he got traded to the Rams, all of a sudden he's a tier one quarterback and, and it irked me a little bit, but it definitely be cheering for the Rams. I think uh, that team is a great team overall. And I want that, that storybook ending for Stafford in his uh, Super Bowl run here. I think um, I've got think, Jake? I've, I've, I've got a soft spot for Stafford, too. Uh, not not a Lions fan, but it's tough not to love that adorable face smushed in a helmet. And uh, I, I I also have a very soft spot for, for Cooper Cup, uh, just through through Dynasty Leagues of my own. He's he's one of my guys, so I'd, li I'd like to see him do well. Uh, I think I think it will be one of those Super Bowls that will just be will you won't have to worry about it being a blowout one way or the other it'll at least be entertaining all the way through which is all we really want I don't have a big enough dog in a fight to care how it goes one way or the other but I just I don't see the Bengals continuing this improbable run that they've gone on but of course people have said that every week in the playoffs so far and they keep winning so um and on the road no less so being that the Rams are at home I guess I, I can be prepared to eat my words in a few days but I would have to, if I was putting money on it, I have to put it on the Rams. Yeah, I, I think you guys had some good points. And, you know, you look at a couple of squads that have, you know, star-studded offenses, you know, two top-tier quarterbacks, a couple of really nice running backs. Obviously, we saw this year with the wide receiver games that both of these squads boast. It's going to be a high-scoring affair, I think, uh, or at least could be moving the ball quite a bit. I think the X factor here is really going to be the Bengals' offensive line against the Rams front seven. And we saw Burrow already take a beating through the season. We've seen him take a beating in the playoffs. Going against Aaron Donald, Von Miller, and that group is just going to be a daunting task, I think. I, I still think they're going to put up some points. Obviously, they've done that throughout the playoffs with the exception of the Tennessee game. But it, it just might be too much for them to overcome at this point. So I like the Rams. I think it's probably going to be a 24-14 kind of game. Uh, like you said, probably not too much one way or another, but should be a fun game to watch nonetheless. Well, I think this is going to be the first and last time that we all agree about something uh, real football or fantasy football and still kind of having that taste of last season in our mouths. Uh, let's talk about kind of how we did, how our teams looked, how we're preparing to move forward. Uh, Jason, you want to kick us off on, on how your seasons went? Yeah. Yeah. Uh... In my in in the league that I started up years back, I was actually champion. So I get uh, for the second time, not in a row, but second time in the league's history. So I get to add my name to that list of of multiple winners. Um, I rode the previously mentioned Cooper Cup and uh, Jonathan Taylor pretty hard into the championship, and I think I am positioned pretty well to take a pretty good stab at winning back-to-back -back and, and cleaning out that dynasty pot, which I think is in the 2,500 range. So that would be nice. 
and then in another dynasty startup league this year, I did not make playoffs, but when I saw the writing on the wall, I was able to get some trades. I have multiple uh, top 12 picks, so I'm happy about that and was able to snag actually Cam Akers at the tail end of the startup draft for, I think, a dollar. So feeling pretty good at running back there with some almost kind of like getting a draft pick there and definitely feel like I can make some damage next year. And that's the good thing with dynasty football is being able to rebuild, look forward to next year, even when your season's already over. And Test Monster, speaking of when your season's already over, uh, how early last year were your uh, seasons over with? Uh, is, is preseason too early? It's, it's tough to say. Uh, I was part of the uh, group that drafted J.K. Dobbins in a startup this year. That didn't go my way. I had uh, a plethora of injuries but was able to sell enough assets to have 13 picks in the next two drafts. So I'm looking forward to that, as well as having some nice pieces coming back in one team. Keeper League, the only uh, league that's not dynasty for me. I was able to get some nice pieces for next year. Going to be interested to see where some of these guys wind up. In the league we share, Nation, uh, you know, it was one of those years where it came down to the wire, but ultimately losing Derrick Henry, Nick Chubb for a couple weeks at a time, not having really any top-tier wide receivers outside of Debo Samuel just kind of sunk my ship. So we'll be uh, looking to see uh, how that rebounds next year. But uh, like you said, Dynasty is never over, even in the offseason. And, you know, now we're starting up some of these rookie uh, conversations and waiting to see where it goes. Uh, I, I think I know how your season ended. How did you shake out? Yeah, that league that we're in together in that Dynasty League, Ended really well for me. I uh, really cruised through the whole season, being able to ride uh, Josh Allen, Joe Mixon, Eckler, Tyreek Hill, Cooper Cup, Mark Andrews, and still really not even needing to use uh, a Gronk or a Gasecki or an A.J. Brown. Uh, pretty deep team, uh, really all top end this year, and didn't really have to deal with too many injury concerns. So that was uh, a pretty smooth ride as far as fantasy football went for me. And then kind of the other leagues, that our dynasty for me are going to be right in that borderline of, am I going to try to compete next year or am I going to sell during our draft uh, and try to retool for 2023? So we'll see uh, how our lottery shake out. Uh, most of our leagues really like to do the lottery uh, to be able to prevent some tanking and add a little bit of uh, intrigue and luck in the offseason to have some fun with where some draft picks could end up. So looking forward to seeing how that all shakes out and uh, diving deep into what we learned from last season and what we're going to bring forward to this season uh, upcoming in the offseason here while we make this deep dive for us. So on that note, so what did we learn from last season? I know one of the things we've talked about is how important it was last year to have one of those top quarterbacks in a one-quarterback league. Everyone knows how important it is to have two quality quarterbacks in the Superflex. But last year, you saw that drop-off happening with quarterbacks. You saw some big point totals from those top-end quarterbacks. I know, Jason, you've dived into this a little bit. Why don't you break it down for us a little bit? Yeah. I, you know, for years I have been, you know, primarily from a redraft league perspective, but also Dynasty, a guy that will wait late in drafts to take a quarterback because you just – it. It's, it's an overrated position in a sense where if you don't have that top one or two guys, the fall off is, is just so minimal. Looking at it from a point per game basis, you know, if you're getting the top, you know, at least historically, if you're getting a top 10, 12, 15 quarter ranked quarterback, you're probably getting, you know, 19-ish points a game on the low end of that. If you're looking at a, the, the fifth overall, you know, maybe 23, 24, 25. Well, I, I, I'm going to try to make up those points at a different position where I'll let everybody take the quarterbacks in the fifth round or whatever and, and try to target some more bench depth or, you know, a flex guy. This year, I really think that, that you, you kind of had a changing of the guard where the falloff was, was actually pretty significant once you hit 10. Once you hit 10... Uh, right now, kind of Kyler Murray, I think, is roughly from a, a point total, kind of that guy. You get outside that, and you're looking at Kirk Cousins, Ryan Tannehill, 
not not loving that nation, you might be able to roll with that with the with the lineup depth that you have. But the the average owner is going to struggle with that. Um, you know, and you see a lot of really, really young names in the top 10 right now. Uh, Burrow, to me, a surprise that he came out the way he did at the end. Uh, clearly that connection uh, with his LSU teammate makes a big difference for him. But nonetheless, he's a stud. And you know, I just think that if if you don't have one of these young guys it, it makes more of an impact this year than it has that I can think of in the last five years. And then you see guys like Brady retiring, uh, Matt Ryan falling off the face of the earth, kind of the old guard leaving. Um, and you see these rookies producing. And then again, you look at this year and you, you see that whole crop really largely underwhelmed compared to the Justin Herberts and the Joe Burrows of the world, Patty Mahomes, all that. So, it kind of kind of makes a big difference right now if you have one of those top ten guys. I think that's monster. I think that's a huge takeaway, and I'll I'll take it from a standpoint of a guy who rode an army of Matt Ryan's, Baker Mayfield's, uh, Ryan Tannehill's, and Taysom Hills into the middle of nowhere and not make any playoffs this year. And I, I it's hard not to see you know that kind of difference because once you get outside of that top 10 where you're averaging 20 points a game, you know, you drop off to that 15 point a game range and that's, that's going to lose you more weeks than not, which I mean, unless you've got nation's kind of roster really, really makes a huge statement to me. And so from, from a dynasty construction standpoint, moving forward, even in a one quarterback league, you almost have to have one of those guys, even if you're, you know, taking a stab at somebody a little older, like a Matt Stafford, just because, you know, you can't necessarily count on the rookies year in and year out. We saw Trevor Lawrence struggle. We saw Trey Lance not get enough playing time. Justin Fields, inconsistent and injured. I mean, Mac Jones was a nice story, but, you know, at the end of the day, he's another, you know, to, to use a, another term, he looks like a retread already. I mean, he's averaging the same number of points as Matt Ryan, and that's not viable either, so... I, I think having that viable quarterback week in and week out is going to be huge in dynasty. Yeah. I think there was a stat from two years ago when that weight on a quarterback was really prevalent amongst a lot of the people talking about fantasy football and, and trying to plan out their drafts was if you played Stafford and Ben Roethlisberger, who were both like quarterback 15 and 17 on the season, at home every game. So you got uh, eight games of each of them. They finished as QB2 overall in the season. So that was added to that uh, waiting on a quarterback, not too much uh, separation back then. And now seeing kind of how big of a deal some of those top six, top seven, top eight quarterbacks could be uh, moving forward really makes it like I, I can't wait on the quarterback like Jason has talked about after years and years of, of doing that. And you have a lot of these quarterbacks that we're talking about and this landscape of the NFL with a lot of people that could be on the move, will be on the move. Uh, first person to top it off, everyone on the tip of everyone's mouth is what happens with Aaron Rodgers? Where does he go? Uh, and what's the fallout look like from that, Jason? Yeah, I, that's, this is one that, you know, obviously every, every talking head has an opinion on. And I've, I've thought on it, you know, you go back and forth, but ultimately I think, you just look at the cap situation and and just him in general. I I just I don't see I don't see the marriage continuing. Now we could all be surprised like it seems that everyone was last year when it seemed like he was on his way out, but I just do not see him in Lambeau Field next year, which obviously greatly impacts that team. But then you look where you know, where does he go? Obviously the the most talked about and most logical landing spot, I think, is Denver. But the, the argument there that everybody has is, does he want to have to go through Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert? No, but at the same time, you look at the the plethora of weapons and the defense that he would get get by going there when, honestly, defense has kind of been the thing that's, I mean, killed him in in his chase for all these rings, I think. Uh, I mean, granted, he didn't 
put up many points in a snowy game this year against the 49ers, but still defense has definitely been the Achilles heel of that Packers team, I think. So I, if I'm him, I, I don't know how I'm not uh, salivating at the opportunity to have Judy and Cortland Sutton and those two running backs in Melvin Gordon and Javante plus, you know, no offense, no, no slouch. And, and that defense, which was, I think, I think top three, the last three years, granted, they've got some coaching changes, but I, I don't know how you can't want to go there. I, I don't know. I don't know what you guys think. I mean, as a Vikings fan, I would love to see him move on. Uh, but from a fantasy perspective, I, I think you hit the nail on the head in the sense that who wouldn't want to go to Denver with all these weapons? I mean, you talk about a Jerry Judy, a Cortland Sutton, a Tim Patrick, who we saw take on a bigger role this year, a Noah Fant, uh, Javante Williams, regardless of where Melvin Gordon ends up. I mean, kind of a dream scenario with, you know, five solid weapons at his disposal when you're talking about a guy who in his career really hasn't had multiple weapons since, uh, I don't know, you saw Jordy Nelson on the field. So this is going to be a really interesting situation to monitor. And, you know, who knows what he ends up deciding. Maybe he ends up deciding to retire again. I don't know. But it'll be fun to see where he ends up, if anywhere. And I'll be uh, following with great interest for sure. Yeah, that's definitely one where as soon as that domino falls, a lot of the other dominoes, I think, will fall pretty quickly behind when you're looking at like a Russell Wilson. Does he want to stay there or does he want to be able to open up his arm a little bit, let Russell cook? And you have both of uh, Mariota and Derek Carr possibly being on the move. Uh, what are some of these other quarterbacks that possibly could be on the move that you're really taking a look at and interested in where they end up? I think, I think it's hard not to look at a guy like Deshaun Watson and see a guy with immense talent that just needs a new situation. And obviously he's got a looming suspension that could take effect at any given point. But you also see, you know, what he's done in an offense that has put talent around him, you know, when he had DeAndre Hopkins and some of those other weapons. So it, it'll be interesting to see where he goes from here. And if, if he can not miss a beat and not get suspended, uh, there's only upside from my perspective, especially with his running game. I, I, would, I would agree with that because, um, you know, and selfishly as, as a Watson owner on, on that uh, championship dynasty team, I, I would love to see him come back. But, um, yeah, it'll, it'll be very interesting because, you know, I, we have no idea what, what the league is or isn't going to do with regard to his legal concerns, but you, you kind of feel like you could put him on any team and he's going to make something happen. I, you know, I think he's just that dynamic of a talent. Um, he has that pocket ability, but he also has the legs um, that I feel puts him ahead of a lot of the other guys that, that use their legs. They, I just, I just don't see the same quarterbacking ability out of all of them that you do see out of Watson. I think he's, I don't want to um, say anything too preposterous, but I feel like he's on that Mahomes level where you look at even like a Josh Allen, who's improved a lot this year and much more the quarterback that he was even a year ago. But I still think from like, if you're looking for a, a true quarterback quarterback, that's Watson. So I, I, I would agree to monster. He, he, to me, is, is the most intriguing because we know he's not staying in Houston long-term. That's, that's done. But the, the other quarterback that honestly intrigues me quite a bit too is, is Mariota. Um, I think he's very healthy for the first time in a long time. I think he, I think he kind of got his head, uh, got in his head a little bit when he got injured back in Tennessee. I don't think he ever got right from, from that elbow injury and all that. Almost uh, almost kind of derailed everything, but I think the change of scenery, the ability to kind of take a back seat, get some of those special plays, I don't think he's going to be a top five guy, but I definitely think he could be somebody that's a fringe top ten if he gets in the right situation because, again, he's got those legs and he's got a strong arm. Um, but, yeah, if he, if he got surrounded, put him in Denver, 
I'm a hell of a lot more interested in that than I am Teddy Bridgewater. So I don't know, Nation, I don't know what you think about that. Uh, we don't like to talk about Mariota injuries around here. There's still a, <laughs> a, a gaping no subject when he scored negative <laughs> 1.4 points for me in a playoff game. I lost to Test Monster by uh, by less than a point. So uh, we're oh just going to ignore that for a little bit. But <laughs> Mariota is one person that I am actually really intrigued about. And one landing spot that I think makes a lot of sense is going over to Pittsburgh and being able to captain an offense that has a lot of weapons. I mean, a lot of uh, being able to run some RPOs over there and letting them draft a quarterback for the future. But that seems like a spot where if you're able to get him in the super flex league and you have him as your, your fourth quarterback right now, I'd be really excited for him being able to find one of those spots and possibly break in as a, a starter with all of the struggles that we saw this year with rookie quarterbacks, I don't think there's as uh, quickly going to be the rookies in this quarterback class that should be able to take over some of those openings. So I think that leaves a big hole for him and a chance to score a lot of points in some of these offenses that are looking for a quarterback. I mean, I, I think we saw from this year's rookie class alone that, you know, it, it just isn't as much of a guarantee as we used to think it was. I mean, you saw... Uh, Jason called him sunshine in one of his articles, but we saw Trevor Lawrence, you know, inexplicably struggle and, you know, threw only a handful of touchdown passes over his last nine, 10 games. We saw Justin Fields get injured, miss time, be inconsistent. We saw glimpses of Trey Lance. Everybody seems to be excited about him, but it's hard to know for sure. I mean, Mac Jones was really the only guy we saw perform, you know, this year. But at the same time, we've already touched on the fact that he doesn't look great. You know, averaging 13 points a game isn't going to win you any titles. So it's hard to bank on him long-term either. And the upcoming quarterback class doesn't look outstanding either. I mean, we see Matt Corral and a couple other nice names, but it's hard to, hard to say for sure where they'll go and whether they'll start right away just because we don't have that top-tier talent like we saw last year or in next year's class. What do you guys think? I, I totally agree. I think I – think the draft overall this year is, is weaker than next year's will be and, and what we saw in the last year or two, but especially at quarterback. And, yeah, like you said, Mac Jones is a guy who threw three passes in a game this year, albeit, you know, it was bad weather. But, you know, that if, if he was really something more special than that, you're not only using him three times. Um, and, and, yeah, I don't know. I don't have a ton more to add to that, but. It's, it's, it is not, uh, there, there's not a, a lot of influx of youth that's going to make any real impact, I don't think, in the next year. Nation? Yeah, we touched on, I mean, these rookie quarterbacks coming out. One of them I really like that I think uh, would be a really great later pick is Malik Willis, uh, having that big arm, having uh, some extreme athleticism, being able to run. I'd love for him to be uh, the, that 31st pick for the Lions. But it's tough when you look at some of these situations with like Pittsburgh looking for a quarterback, New Orleans looking for a quarterback, Tampa Bay looking for a quarterback. There's a lot of really good situations for a rookie quarterback to go into. And I think we've been so spoiled in the past that teams are more likely gonna give some room for development, giving some of these veterans and backup quarterbacks a chance uh, that Tampa situation is really intriguing. Uh, Test Monster, what do you think about that Tampa situation? It'll be really interesting for me to see what they do, especially since they're so hamstrung from a cap perspective. Uh, one of the names I hear tossed around quite a bit is Mitchell Trubisky. It'll be interesting to see where he goes, if at all, just because I think he can be had at such a discount where it wouldn't surprise me at all to see him go to a team like a Tampa Bay or a New Orleans where, you know, they're a little bit handicapped <clears throat> with the salary cap, but can go in there and get a second shot at redemption. So uh, that might be an interesting one that I watch for in Tampa, but there's a lot of other names out there. One name I do like a lot in the draft is Kenny Pickett. <clears throat> See him mocked in a lot of places, at places like Pittsburgh, Detroit, 
think he could be a huge talent, especially if he's got some weapons around him. He might be the uh, one of the few hopes that we have in this upcoming class that's otherwise kind of a desolate wasteland. And enough speculation on where we think quarterbacks could move or the upside on if a quarterback does get traded. Let's go over to the running backs and what really was an unprecedented season with injuries. I mean, everyone knows that everything that Baltimore had to deal with in the preseason, and we saw it continue during the regular season. Jason, what are some things that you learned during the regular season this year about running backs and backup running backs? Yeah, th this year was, to me, super interesting in the sense that so often you hear people preach, you know, handcuff, handcuff, but not that many people really buy into that enough, I don't think. Um, so they don't, they don't pick up guys. They don't make trades for guys. Or, you know, if somebody's trying to go after a handcuff, they're willing to offer a fifth-round pick in 2055, right? Well, I think this year showed how important that those handcuffs are. And while the running back position itself in the NFL – not not in not in fantasy football, but in, in the NFL, obviously is not what it was five, 10 years ago. We've heard that a million times. And you see that the shelf life is incredibly short now. When you look at a guy like Emmett Smith, who had, I think, 11 straight seasons of 1,100 yards rushing, whereas now you'd be shocked to see a guy have 1,100 yards for six seasons, right? Well, or even play for 11 seasons, let alone. And absolutely, you know, so this year, you have saw the Ravens lose 55 running backs in preseason. You saw um, Cam Akers go down in preseason. You saw Delvin Cook miss, I think, five games. Um, and the, but, but then on the flip side, you look at Madison comes in and does an admirable job, right? So my point in talking about that, the NFL perspective of it is, in, in, in fantasy football, running back position still reigns supreme. And if you don't have, if you don't have those, those high-end, whether it's a tandem or you're lucky enough to get a Jonathan Taylor, like if you don't have that impact position or those impact players at, at the running back position, I, I, think, I think you're fighting an uphill battle. Um, you, look at, you look at teams that, that win championships or consistently make playoffs, they have, they have that at least working for them. Um, and a lot of that's because receivers are, are so deep right now. The receiver position is, is infinitely more deep than, than anything else. But um, the amount of running backs that filled in for injuries and honestly were just plug and play kind of shows you even more how, how the offense in the NFL right now has, has developed to a spot where if you're a playmaker – They'll make you'll they'll give you the opportunity to make the plays, um, and it's it's so imperative, so imperative right now to get that handcuff and to take a shot on an Elijah Mitchell or take a shot on anybody in those late round drafts because that carries way more impact than throwing a dart at a tight end or uh, a receiver because you probably have some pretty good depth at those positions, regardless by the time you're drafting in the third or fourth round. So I, I think, I think you are really hurting yourself by not just throwing every dart you can in those late rounds at running backs. Cause as we saw, who knows week two, that could be the number one guy. And that, that's my biggest takeaway this year. Yeah. In a year that we saw more preseason and regular season injuries to running backs seemingly than ever. Uh, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, you're talking about – I've got a list here of almost 20 names of guys who were considered RB1, RB2 kind of ranking at the beginning of the year that missed two or more games. You touched on some of them, but you've got, you know, Chris Carson, David Montgomery, Cam Akers, Leonard Fournette, Miles Sanders. I mean, the, the list goes on and on. So to have that depth is more important than ever, and not even necessarily in the draft, but – being able to have some foresight in the offseason to acquire an extra RB2, a handcuff, a backup, 
just to have those at your disposal, I think, especially in your deeper leagues, is more important than ever if you can't scoop them off the waiver wire. Uh, we saw guys like Cordero Patterson even step into the forefront this year for the first time ever. I mean, you're talking about a guy who had former first-round pedigree that has bounced around the NFL and finally found a team that wanted to use him in a way that he could be productive. So, you know, any way you can add some of these guys is more important than ever. And so, yeah, we do need to value backup running backs more. We do need to place a little bit more emphasis on later round rookies. What do you think, Nation? I think it brings in an interesting draft strategy now. Uh, and if you're not getting one of those top four, top five running backs, and it's always been a first two rounds running back, this could lead into a lot of strategy next year in a zero running back strategy and going three wide receivers right away, getting three of the top guys, and then filling out with a James Conner and Chase Edmonds and being able to kind of get those RB2s, get those handcuffs and play for kind of that second half of the season and look for that breakout at running back and not be so concerned at a breakout wide receiver, not going five wide receivers deep in the middle of the rounds. So I think that adds an interesting take on how people can formulate kind of the end of the first round draft pick uh, going forward next year. As we're looking to build in the draft, you got a class of running backs coming out this year that is seen to be pretty weak, but a lot of good places could be available for them. And talking about being able to be that RB2, RB3 on a team and make your way to the forefront when you looked at kind of the Browns last year. So who are some of those rookie running backs that we should be looking to target and looking to get a little bit more information on? Jason, why don't you start? Yeah, Nation, that, that's a good point. And something that I, you know, anytime I'm talking to somebody about a draft coming up, it, you really can't, you know, unless you have an absolute generational talent like Zeke was when he came out or Saquon, you know, these, these undisputed number one running backs. Unless you have one of those guys, you can't really – pinpoint too many people especially in a draft like this where it's just kind of what it is right but I, I think you know kind of the consensus top three at least to me would be Isaiah Spiller um, Kenneth Walker and then uh, Brees Hall I like Spiller the best out of them um, he's a big boy kind of kind of more like that Najee Harris build he's got I think I think he's almost like 230. I know he's over six foot, so I, I think he's a big bruiser, um, which intrigues me because, you, you know, you see that works for, like I said, Harris. Uh, you got Derrick Henry. So you're starting to see some of these guys be a little bit bigger um, more consistently. So that would probably be my guy. But, again, that could all change uh, in May with the draft, at least on my end. Yeah, I, I... – it's definitely a situation where we see landing spot being more imperative than ever, ever. And, you know, you talk about those top three guys, another name I see grouped into that trio regularly is a guy like Kyron Williams, who some people say reminds him of in Austin Eckler. And to be honest, a lot of mocks I've seen have seen uh, him go in the top two running backs of a dynasty draft. And that's, that's not something I'm looking to capitalize on for, you know, more of a satellite back type of build. But if he falls, you know, he's definitely a guy that, that could be worth taking. Uh, but I'm definitely not taking over those three for sure. But later in your drafts, you know, you're going to see guys like Zamir White, who, you know, some people will say that he just didn't produce. But you look at Georgia and, you know, they've got a head coach there, Mark Rick, who said nobody's getting more than 300 carries in a season. So, you know, do it that way you will. You've also got James Cook out of Georgia, who, and he never got a ton of work, but boy, did he look fast against Michigan and Alabama in the playoffs this year. Uh, he's going to be fun to watch, especially if he can get into that third down back kind of role, kind of siphon off some carries. You got a Zonovan Knight out of NC State, good open field speed. He's got power. He's a good pass catcher. One of the few late options that could truly be a three down back. You got a Tyler Ballou out of Mizzou. Small frame, but he's got 522 touches in the SEC with no injury. That'll be fun to watch. I think my biggest dart throw is going to be Abram Smith from Baylor. 
uh, total dart throw here. He uh, was a converted linebacker that played running back last year, had 1,600 rushing yards. And as Gordon Ramsay would say, he's raw. So it'll be interesting to see where he goes, see what team gives him a chance. But there's a handful of running backs that can be taken later in drafts that could have some big impact, especially if you can put them on, you know, your rookie roster for a season or two just to see what happens. We talked about landing spots and how that can be really important for some of these dart throws that you're looking at on rookies. But what about the landing spots for some of these free agent running backs that are coming up? I mean, you have a, a Fournette, a Penny. You got the combo of Connor and Edmonds. Uh, Melvin Gordon could be a big one coming forward. So what are we thinking here? Uh, what are, which of these running backs are you excited for? And do you see them kind of moving away from their team right now? Jason? Uh, I, I think I think I think I'm with you on on Melvin Gordon. Um, I, th I think he's got some left in the tank. It'll be very interesting. I, I, to me, you know, maybe it maybe some of it's just the shine of of the name. Um, I, I think he just he just has he's he's a good pass catcher yet, and you know he doesn't he doesn't get a lot of yards per carry, but in the right situation, you know, you don't necessarily need that. Um, and and he's tough, pretty durable for the most part. Um, so he he intrigues me probably the most. But honestly, uh, even though Test Monster mentioned him in in the injury list, uh, Fournette is another one who really really bounced back in my eyes this year. You know, I mean, granted he he was kind of playing catch up all season in his first year in Tampa, but he definitely. Um, he, he definitely came back and, and kind of was that Fournette that we knew from a, his Jacksonville days as a top, I don't know, top 12 running back and when he was healthy in my mind. Um, and, then, and then the other one would be Connor. I mean, I think Connor quietly had a phenomenal season. And whether he stays in Arizona or goes somewhere else and is a featured back again, he showed in, in Pittsburgh that he's at least, he's at least worth, you know, rostering as, as a higher end um, RB2 or a low-end RB1, and uh, he showed, showed no signs of, of that changing this year in his, in his time in, in Arizona. And, I, and I'm actually kicking myself because I, I uh, was out on him this year. I, I had an offer to trade a receiver. I can't remember who it was. It might have even been Jalen Regor for, uh, for him, and I was like, ah, we'll see what happens. And, you know, I look like an idiot now. So he, he's another one that, that uh, would really intrigue me. Well, looking like an idiot might be a theme at times, especially in Dynasty, but in one of my keeper leagues, I, uh, I actually cut James Conner for absolutely nothing early in this year when he was in that timeshare. So I look like a bigger idiot than you. <laughs> uh, as far as these running backs go, though, you know, you look at a guy like Fournette, and he's really the only true workhorse we see in this group. I think it'll be interesting to see where he goes. Uh, you know, I think a team with a lot of cap like Miami can really capitalize on somebody like him, put him in that offense and see what happens. That could be a really interesting play. Uh, I've heard a lot of speculation from some of the talking heads about him ending up in Buffalo. That could be an interesting caveat, too, even though we saw Devin Singletary absolutely explode in the playoffs this year. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. But Fournette is obviously a guy worth adding. Uh, especially if you can add him before he signs somewhere, I think. As far as some of these other names go, I think we see a lot of guys who would probably be best off, honestly, signing right where they had success. You look at a guy like a Rashad Penny. Is he ever going to find another system that will utilize him the way he was at the end of the year? I mean, Chris Carson's kind of an afterthought at this point, especially with how inconsistent he was this year, even before the injury. You see a guy like Cordero, you know, finally found an offense that would utilize him in a productive role. Is he ever going to find that success anywhere else? James Conner, I mean, you talk about one of the most touchdown-dependent backs in the league. He had 18 touchdowns last year and zero 100-yard games on the ground. So I, I, I think he's probably a guy who will regress over this year. But at the same time, you know, if, if he stays there and the, the team utilizes him in the way that he was used this year, short down, even in passing game, I think he can absolutely still have success. Ronald Jones, I mean, is he going to go anywhere? I mean, 
I, I've never seen a guy with more fumble issues still be looked to to have a potential future in the league. So it'll be interesting to see where he goes too. Melvin Gordon, I definitely see as a more of a complimentary piece at this point, unless he ends up somewhere like Atlanta. I mean, if they want to use him as what Mike Davis was supposed to be this year, that could be a good spot for him. But, you know, in a tandem like with Javante Williams, uh, to spell Austin Eckler, to, to take some punches away from Michael Carter, who's going into his second year. So I, I, I think Melvin Gordon absolutely has the upside, especially, you know, if, if he goes somewhere where he's in a tandem and can see an injury to that number one running back, there's all the upside in the world. And I'd love to buy a guy like that for a second round pick, I think. So there's, there's a lot of upside on some of these backs. Uh, one of the biggest guys I'm, I'm in on is Dearness Johnson. And we've seen him do absolutely everything with any opportunity he's been given. You know, we saw him explode in the couple of starts we saw this year, the one start he had last year. So that's definitely a name that I'm more excited about than some of the other names on this list. I think I agree with you a lot when a lot of these players that we're touching on, I think the best spot for them is, is really right where they were. Um, when you look at kind of like a Melvin Gordon and how well they ran together last year, splitting time, I think most of these players end up kind of in the, we're in a good situation. We'll stay in that same good situation. And a lot of the teams that are looking for running backs to Miami's, the, the Texans, the uh, maybe a Tampa Bay again, if, if with all the question marks on Fournette and Ronald Jones that are looking for running backs, we'll probably go and look for them in the draft and be able to find something moving forward, in my opinion. And I think it makes a lot of these guys a good buy before they settle down, um, being able to settle into that that RB2 role, again, like uh, James Conner had turning into an RB1 when Chase went down, getting a lot of touchdowns. So I think there's some value to be found here if you can go out and get them for cheap. And looking into some more buys and sells on individual players that we want to target this offseason to try to maximize their value, maybe before they break out or that they already peaked and you might be able to get a couple of draft picks for them. Uh, let's move it over to Jason for a couple of cells here. Yeah, I'll kick off the negativity here with CP84, Cordero Patterson. Um, I think I think it's fair to say that each of us on this podcast and, and many, many other people were waiting for the other shoe to drop with him every single week last year. I know I had him in a redraft league, and I tried weeks four, five, six, seven, and eight to trade him, and, and I just couldn't get anybody to bite. Fortunately, he kept producing, so I, you know, I, I wasn't mad that I still had him on the team. He was definitely helping me, but I think if you really take a hard look at the end of you know, the second half of the season for him, his efficiency definitely waned. Um, he had the bulk of his work or of his production, I should say, it's probably weeks three through six or something like that. Maybe maybe week two through six, um, and he's he's going to be thirty-one next year. He has not caught on as an offensive weapon. I mean, he's an athletic freak, much more athletic than I could ever hope to be. But if, as a as a productive fantasy football asset, he just has never caught on until now. So I, I think now that you've got an entire season of film on him, I would be shocked if the NFL defensive coordinators couldn't scheme to take him away from a pretty lackluster offense that the only other guy you need to worry about is Kyle Pitts, unless, you know, hopefully um, Calvin Ridley is in, is in a place that allows him to want to be able to play. But when you've got pretty much two weapons out there, I, I think it'll be easy to take Patterson away. So if, 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 I'm, if I'm a holder of, of him, I'm trying to find that guy in my league that'll take any trade and, and get as much as I can for him and before that stock crashes. Right. We saw last year he absolutely exploded in the first half. And that's actually when I was able to ship him off in one of the leagues I'm in where I actually had him. Uh, <laughs> you know, we saw him be absolutely explosive for the first, I don't know, nine, ten weeks where, you know, he was doing a lot with nothing. But he was catching a ton of passes, getting a handful of carries. And he absolutely lit the world on fire with how many scores he was getting. But you look at, you know, the last half of the year, you know, starting in week 12 against Jacksonville where he got 16 carries 
and he was getting more carries but less receiving game work. And that really kind of limited his ability to be explosive. We only saw him get a handful of scores down the stretch. His yards really waned. And over the last, you know, even in the playoffs, he wasn't even averaging five points a game. So this is a guy that I really see the potential to fall off. And I'm selling every share I own of him if I still have him. So I I couldn't agree more. And, you know, if you're going to be Mr. Negative over there, I I think I'd like to talk about some guys that we should be buying on. And one of the guys I like a lot is Nico Collins, the wide receiver from Houston. Houston used the draft capital to go up and grab him in the third round of the draft last year. And we didn't see a lot of him early on, which was kind of surprising. But, you know, with a rookie quarterback, with him getting injured in week two with a concussion, you know, that, that really put a damper on his early season production. And even when he returned, he wasn't huge. But look what we saw from him down the stretch. I mean, you look through week 14 through 18 when he had 10 catches or 10 targets, four targets, four targets, five targets, eight targets. I mean, the guy is just littered with production opportunities, especially since we saw Davis Mills kind of take a step forward down the stretch. So this is a guy I like to see improve a lot especially if they can bring a running back in, take a little pressure off the game, uh, give Davis Mills some more time in the pocket, build something around him. Uh, Obviously, Deshaun Watson's not going to be there moving forward. Everybody knows that. But, you know, with Brandon Cooks there, he's really the only other option. And I I don't see another option coming in there, take those targets away from him. So he's absolutely a guy I'm looking to buy on. I... uh... I like that take quite a bit. Um, actually, I, I and I I agree with you know, as as a closet Texans fan. Um, he's the him and Mills are about the only two glimmers of hope that that forsaken franchise has right now. And and yeah, he he was getting a ton of targets at the end. Um, I think I think that with that big body, like you said, if they can get a running back or something in there get rid of David Johnson and bring something. I, I totally agree that uh, I think, I think that's a really good take on your end that he could be um, so, something, something of, of some pretty significant value on that team. Um, but that is enough positivity for me for now. Um, another guy I'm looking to sell is Kyler Murray. Um, and notwithstanding him deleting all of his Arizona related uh, social media. I, I had I had this stance prior to that. Kyler's actually a guy that I traded um, ultimately for Kyle Pitts this season going into draft day. But at the time, I held him with a lot of. It was a very hard trade for him to make. I had I had a lot of um, held him in high regard. But I think anybody who watched them the Cardinals play this year saw a guy who. Clearly wasn't good at home, which is just fascinating, but kind of scary. You know, even though he was putting up decent numbers, the fact that he was that bad at home at times is is not not a good sign in this league where home field means so much. And, um, you know, you saw what happened when Hopkins was hurt. And he was kind of like a chicken with his head cut off back there at times. You know, not all his own fault, but – um, I, I kind of makes you wonder if some of it was, you know, l- not luck by any stretch, but, you know, just kind of good fortune in the first, uh, in his first season and all that. I, he's a guy that kind of scares me and clearly there's something weird going on in Arizona, um, to boot now that he's got all that deleted and who knows, but, and he looked really bad in the playoffs too. I mean, I, honestly, the last five weeks just did not look good and, and it was too consistently the same production um, on film for me. That that is not a that is a guy that I'd want to fade. Now, would I own him over um, Mac Jones? Yes, but is he a guy that I'm going to make a point to go out and get? Absolutely not. And if I can still get some good value for him to someone that values him as maybe a top eight or a top five, if 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 that's out there, one thousand percent, am I making that trade? Yeah, you know, Kyler is he's he's an interesting guy to talk about, especially when you talk about some of the inconsistencies he has. I mean, you talk about a guy who 
is unlike some of the pocket passers that put up the same number of points per game where he fluctuates wildly. So he can win you a week. You know, we saw the first two weeks of the year where he's averaging 33 points a game. We saw some of those games in the middle of the year where he's averaging, you know, he's getting 13, he's getting nine, he's getting 12. So he's definitely one of those polarizing players in the dynasty landscape. And I think we saw, especially at times this year, he just didn't look as comfortable running the football. And that's, that's a question mark for me, especially for a guy who is supposed to be that dual threat guy that gives you that safe floor. And we just didn't see it at times this year. And so that's, it's something that worries me, uh, especially when you look at, you know, some of the weapons that he could potentially be losing. You know, you're talking about two running backs that are free agents. You're talking about Christian Kirk. Obviously, DeAndre Hopkins is going to be back next year. He's going to be healthy. What Zach Ertz going to do? So <clears throat> I think there's enough question marks here, uh, both with his game and the talent around him, where it's safe to question that. Uh, he's definitely a guy I'd be looking to, you know, probably swap for. Uh, if you're talking about, you know, moving back because he's so high in the rankings, moving back to a Joe Burrow, taking that safer floor in the passing game and getting something along with that, whether it be a pick or another player, that's definitely a move I'd like to make, I think. But I think we definitely have to touch on one more bite since you're captain negative. So the next guy I want to talk about is Dearness Johnson, uh, running back for Cleveland, who's currently a free agent. I talked about him a little bit uh, when we were talking about the running backs, but he's absolutely a guy I'm buying huge on. He's only going to be 26 this year, and he's going to be a free agent running back on the market. I think he could easily sign with a team like the Houston Texans or another running back needy team. But we've seen him do absolutely everything when given the opportunity. Last year, we saw him in his only start take 13 carries against Dallas for 95 yards. This year, with three starts, 22 carries for 146 and a score against Denver. Uh, week 10 against New England, 19 carries, 99 yards, seven catches. And week 18 against Cincy, 25 carries for 123 and a score. So this is a guy that I like a lot, absolutely produces when given the opportunity. And if he can even get in a, a situation where he's in a tandem, where he's averaging 10 to 15 carries and two to three catches a game, He's absolutely a guy I see as a viable RB2 next year. And if you can get him on the cheap as a third-round pick in exchange, you know, something that you're hoping blossoms into him where he's, you know, a viable backup at some point, that's absolutely a trade I'm going to make for a guy I expect to be at least splitting carries next year. I think that's a great buy, especially when you're looking at trying to trade or acquire for one of your really late uh, startup or rookie picks in next year's draft, being able to to find that guy who could find a good situation, be an RB2 um, on their team and have a chance to get 10 to 15 carries or 10 to 15 touches a game. Seems like a great buy going forward for next year. So I really like that. And both of you have uh, made some really compelling arguments, but I want to go a little bit wilder in my next take. And I buying on the Giants next year. I know they had um, a lot of people who underperformed this year, who have underperformed in history. But I think with a lot of injuries to that offense last year and the ability to go and get a couple of offensive linemen early in the draft this year, I like a healthy Tony going forward. I like a healthy Saquon Barkley going forward. I like a healthy Kenny Galladay going forward. I think there's a real chance that uh, you can get a lot of these players for pennies on the dollar because of the stigma of the Giants and how poorly all of them performed last year. Again, I'm not going to be ranking them um, in my top 10 or anything, but I think if you can get them for a discount because of how poorly everything went last year for the Giants in general and how poorly it's been going for them. Um, I think this is a place I want to buy as an offense that could possibly do something next year. That's an interesting take. And I guess my biggest question is, who do you see as the quarterback there next year? Because I question whether Daniel Jones is the real deal. I mean, 
we've seen him be good in spurts this year, but is is the consistency ever going to develop? And I think that's the biggest issue. I mean, they've got some nice weapons. They've obviously got Barkley there. They've got Galladay. They've got Shepard, Tony, Slayton. I mean, the weapons are there at their disposal, especially if you consider Kyle Rudolph a weapon still. Um, but, you know, that being said, I just wonder if, if they're going to have the quarterback play to support these guys and, and you know, with, with four wide receivers vying for targets, I just wonder if it's going to be too spread out to be meaningful for fantasy production. But I can definitely see the upside, especially if, you know, from a quarterback standpoint, if you're targeting, you know, five, six different guys that nobody's being covered consistently, you're always finding the open guy. Uh, that's absolutely an upside, especially if it can open up the running game for Saquon. He can stay healthy for any reasonable stretch of time. But I just question whether the upside is there for the wide receivers if the targets are spread around. Um, that's Monster. Did you say something about Kyle Rudolph having a weapon? <laughs> well, you know, he well, hasn't had a, a reasonable weapon in a long oh. time, but you know, if Daniel Jones thinks he's a weapon. I got I, I misheard that. I didn't know it was that kind of podcast for a second, but clearly it's not. Um, I, X-rated, my friend. <laughs> I would uh, I would say that if, if, you know, at the beginning of this podcast, we said this would be the last time we disagree. Uh, that was wrong. I, Nation, I, <laughs> I have to say, as much as it pains me to say, because this team is a dumpster fire. I, 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 I think you're onto something. Um, I, I think there's been enough. Or is he on something? <laughs> he may be both, but I'll, I'll, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt on this. I, I think that you've heard enough chatter that obviously Daniel Jones is not the guy, right? So, and we, and we know there's plenty of quarterbacks um, out there that are worth a shot, whether it be. Jimmy Garoppolo or Mariota, or, you know, even if we thought he might go to Pittsburgh, you know, there's so many options that the Giants could buy low on too, um, that anybody's going to be an upgrade at this point. I have to think over Daniel Jones that, yeah, they've got enough talent where if they get the, the offensive line help and have that opportunity to do so, with a healthy Saquon, um, you know, I mean, I think Saquon has shown, A, he's not fully healthy, but B, he's probably not that guy at this point that as a running back can really truly carry a team on his own merit. But if they can get get some help behind center and, and spread it around a little bit, I think Tony's the guy. I think at this point Galladay is, um, you know, tertiary at best, but – I, I don't see any reason that with with a with a quarterback upgrade that you couldn't see Tony and and Saquon be definite um, steals. I, I I think I think you're onto something, Nation. Who would have thought we'd be talking about the Giants in a positive light at our NFL season recap podcast? That is something I didn't see coming. So I think that wraps up this uh, season end NFL edition of the podcast test monster you want to let everyone know what you got coming up here yeah uh, every week i've been working on the buys and sells for uh, the american and national leagues by position group i touched on the pitchers touched on the infielders going to be wrapping up the outfielders been working on a weekly write-up on the top prospects in each division two for baseball uh, so look for that as well uh, obviously, we've got some ongoing hockey content, uh, working on the waiver wire column every week. And in addition to that, going to be breaking out some position groups coming up. So look for that. Uh, what do you got going on, Jason? I, uh, a whole lot of nothing right now. Kind of kind of licking, licking the wounds over what Bob Manfred's doing with baseball. Um, but what I'm, what I'm starting to work on is... Um, looking at the top 100 for football and um, looking to actually dig more into um, a little deeper into the, the rookie mock drafts coming up for that football. Exciting. Looking forward to getting that content um, coming out. As you know, 
We're encouraging everyone to come and visit the forum, uh, join the DLR Baseball League. Uh, that'll be uh, coming up shortly. No matter what uh, Rob Ramfred's doing, uh, we're going to be moving full steam ahead with that. And any last words, uh, Test Monster, you got here? Yeah, obviously, uh, like, subscribe, comment on this podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, go visit the forum once it's launched. We'd love to hear what we can include in the podcast to better help you in your fantasy league, what kind of research you're looking for. Obviously, we'd love to help with that. Uh, you can find me almost everywhere at DLR Test Monster, whether it be Twitter, Reddit, uh, obviously right here at the Dynasty Locker Room. So come check out uh, all the content we got going on, whether it be some of the stuff I've already mentioned or whether it's a deep dive on, you know, your favorite pitcher or what be it. So we've, whatever you're looking for, we've got it covered. Great. Any last words, Jason, before we close this out? Uh, no, I would echo what you guys said. And then I think I need to go take a shot of something because I can't believe I just said that many good things about the Giants at the end there. <laughs> and giving Test Monster some compliments <laughs> is always awkward too. There is that. I, that did not feel Yeah, good. super weird. <laughs> so we can thanks for stopping by the locker room. Uh, until next time.